This is a true story. As far as I can tell, I'm not being gaslit. This has been going on for a couple years now, but it hasn't gotten to me until now. I work as a paddling coach in Ottawa, Canada. I coach sprint kayaks and canoes, dragon boats, stand-up paddle boards, and an assortment of other boats. I work year-round, but when the water opens up I work out of a camp 10 minutes outside of the city. The club is surrounded by deep woods and several other camps. The plot of land next to where I work is owned by the YMCA and used for a summer camp, but the camp only takes up about a quarter of the area. The rest of the forest is filled with a spider web of deep wooded trails that go on for kilometers. I used to train my athletes on the trails, but for a couple years now we haven't been allowed to use them. Anytime we go on the trails now, a representative of the YMCA usually comes and kicks us off. It all started about two years ago. I was upriver coaching a dragon boat session. We were paddling along the shoreline owned by the YMCA, and just as we were taking a break, I heard the most chilling scream coming from the woods not too far from shore. It sounded like a woman's, but it sounded really off, as though she was struggling to get air or something. The whole boat stopped moving and stopped to listen. It was quiet for a long time until I asked if anyone had heard that. A dragon boat holds 22 people, and just as I asked, everyone looked at me and nodded. People were quiet for a while to see if it would happen again. This first incident happened late in the summer, so I assumed it was just a camp kid screaming at a bug or something, it happens. When we didn't hear it again, we decided to continue the workout. Just as we got going, however, it happened again. Still, the same gargled scream was just beyond the tree line, and again everyone in the boat stopped to listen. I wasn't 100% sure what to do. I had never dealt with anything like this before. It was one of those things that you constantly question, not sure if what you heard was legit or not. I beached the dragon boat on shore just so we could take a look. Everyone was guessing that the source of the scream could not be more than beyond the tree line. A couple of the guys and I took a look around but couldn't see anything. It was honestly a really chilling situation. We eventually decided to call it a day and head back. I assumed it was just a camp group hiking the trails, and it eventually left my mind. Last summer, I heard the screams again only a handful of times over the season. I can't say how many times, but it couldn't have been more than three. Each time it would happen, me and whoever I was with could never find where it was coming from. It was always the stretch of beach owned by the YMCA, never anywhere else. This all happened at different points of the summer. It was never just one part of the season. I want to say that this wasn't the only weird thing going on at the club. Besides the odd disembodied scream, myself and others would hear a few different sounds coming from the woods by the club. This would include a weird rasping wind blowing through the forest, immediately followed up by the sound of what can only be described as someone getting a fish but really loudly. It's so hard to explain, but I want to do the sound justice because it has just chilled me to the bone. The worst thing I've experienced at work is somewhat too common nowadays. It usually happens when I have my younger training group with me. With this group, 
I coach mostly sprint canoe and sprint kayak and the group ranges in age from the youngest being 12 to the oldest being 17. I train the kids after school and sometimes we go late, just before the sun sets. Sometimes I'm stuck closing up the club in the dark with the kids, which is when this usually happens. From time to time, when it's just on the cusp of being dark out, me and my teammates hear footsteps coming from the woods that surround us. They always stop just short of the tree line. It doesn't sound like someone is running through the trails or anything, but as if someone is walking through the underbrush. Just as we hear it, me and the kids always fall silent and look at the exact same place. This usually prompts everyone to drop what they are doing and hightail it to the parking lot to drive off. All of this would have been fine. I'm a tough guy. I don't get scared easily, at least I didn't think so, but a couple of days ago, something finally put me over the edge. It's been an exceptionally warm spring in Canada, which has allowed me to start work on the boat three to four weeks earlier than usual. I was out on the water with a dragon boat crew, and we were paddling up and down the stretch of beach owned by the YMCA. Again, it happened. Everyone stopped paddling and just stared at the stretch of beach. The scream sounded different now, still female but really demonic. All of my hair stood on end. The whole boat laughed awkwardly, assuming it was just a member of the club, or a member of the YMCA, hiking the old trails, but I didn't laugh. It hit me almost immediately. It couldn't have been a member of our club because I was the last booking of the night, and it couldn't have been any members of the YMCA because it was too early in the season. The YMCA camp hasn't been open for the season yet. That was the other night, and I haven't decided what to do. The whole thing has put me on edge, and I haven't allowed myself to stay out past 8 these last couple of days. I'm not usually on these kinds of subreddits, but I thought I needed to get my story out there. It isn't just me either. I've talked to the other coaches at the club, and all of them have heard the screams. We all just don't know what to do about it. I know some of the stories on the subreddit aren't really true, but I promise I'm not making this up. The screams usually happen a couple times a year and usually in twos, so I will try to get a video of it happening if I can. After a stressful day at work, I went over to my friend's apartment to shoot the breeze, eat some food, and play a few games on my friend's PS4. It was getting late and I had to be up fairly early the next day. My friend walked me out to the parking lot to my car. There was no one else in the parking lot, just us two. As I was unlocking my car, a dog walked out from the side of a nearby building about 25 feet away. It came fully into view and stopped to look at us. It was a little bigger than a standard Great Dane. It was all black, with long hair that appeared to be falling out in clumps. It had long ears and a long, scraggly tail. I remember making eye contact with it. It had dark maroon-colored eyes. And in the moment we locked eyes, it smiled at us. But instead of a dog's lips going up and back, the lips went slightly sideways, and I saw white, human teeth. I recall suddenly getting a feeling of dread and fear. I felt like it was something disguised as a dog and pretending to be a dog. But it wasn't a dog. I'm certain of it. 
The energy coming off of this thing didn't feel dog-like. I don't know how else to describe it, but my hair went up on end. It turned around from us and began limping slowly back around the corner from where it had stepped out of. It seemed to have most of its weight on its front legs, walking with a hunched back. When it was limping away, I noticed its rear left foot was wrapped in blue gauze and the foot looked very odd. The heel was actually parallel to the ground. I am unsure if my friend saw exactly what I saw, but she suddenly said, it's leaving. Let's follow it. And she ran after the damn thing right after it disappeared around the corner. I remember being scared for my friend, so I went sprinting after her. I rounded the corner to find my friend looking around confused. The dog thing was gone. At the rate that it was walking and limping, and given our close proximity to it, which, again, was no more than 25 feet, there was no way that it could have disappeared that quickly. The air was suddenly extremely cold, even for South Texas in January. My teeth were chattering and I told my friend to quickly go back to her apartment, lock the door, and stay inside. I warned her that that thing was not a dog and told her I'd text her when I got home. Once safe at home, I texted my friend and thought that was going to be the end of it. But even as I settled into bed, my heart was racing. It didn't help that, around 12 AM, there was a low whistling right outside my window. My neighbor's house isn't too far from mine, but they're good people, and there is no logical reason for them to be that close to my window at night, whistling. I didn't give any indication that I was aware of the whistling. It wasn't even music, just the sort of whistle. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Someone might give if they're trying to get attention. Eventually, the whistling stopped, and I heard nothing else. I had trouble sleeping. I haven't seen anything, or experienced anything like it since. My big question is, what was that thing? I just got home from a road trip and I've been thinking about something I saw and can't make sense of it. Maybe some of you have also seen something like this. My wife and I were driving on Highway 97 South near Mount Shasta, California. It was about midnight and we were driving through a heavily wooded area without any street lamps. 
We rounded a corner when I saw something fast and low to the ground dart across the street about 50 to 60 yards ahead of us. I saw the glowing animal eyes and a body that was the size and shape of a big dog. We saw animals the whole road trip, and like usual, I asked my wife if she saw it too, and she confirmed. The body wasn't 100% clear because our headlights hadn't reached that section of the road yet. When we got to the exact point in the road where the animal crossed, we looked to that side to see if there was anything there. There was a man dressed in army fatigues walking down the road. He didn't look at us, just kept walking. It was pitch black and he didn't have any type of light with him. He was only lit up by our headlights. We both got full body chills when we saw him because we were expecting to see an animal. I know that the area has a magical slash mystical history with a lot of unexplained sightings. This is unlike anything I've ever experienced before. We were fully creeped out. I still can't make heads or tails of this, so I figured I'd post it here. Does anyone else have something like this happen to them? My parents were out of town and I lived in a small neighborhood in upstate New York. My backyard was half cleared land and half dense woods. There was a small creek that ran behind my house too, so I could see all sorts of animals at night, including turkeys, foxes, possums, raccoons, and deer. One night around 1 AM, I was on the couch in the extended living room part of my home where three of the walls had windows and we had a skylight. This is important because I had a complete view of almost all of my backyard up to the tree's edge, including the moon overhead, which was a waxing crescent. I heard the sound of a very angry squirrel for about 5 minutes, and I kind of brushed it off because I've heard angry squirrels before. Then I heard the most terrifying screech. It sounded like a goose. I had just been murdered and was screaming. It scared the crap out of me and I immediately rushed over to the windows to see if I could see anything. I was worried it might have been a wolf since my neighbor's cat likes to go wandering outside and usually kills a bunny or two and leaves them in our front yard. It was pitch black and my porch light barely illuminated anything but our back porch. I brushed off the noise and went to bed shortly after. The next morning, I headed over to my neighbor's house who I had hunted before and occasionally would bow hunt too. I asked if they heard that noise last night and they said yes, they thought it was a deer crying for help. They told me they were going to investigate the woods in a few hours to see what had happened. I was reluctant to ask to go with them, but I was determined to know what the noise had been. A few hours later, my neighbors and I went into the woods. We didn't have to go far when we saw a dead squirrel pretty much ripped to pieces. We continued on, figuring that squirrels don't have much meat on them, so the animal probably tried to get as much as it could out of them. We wondered for about five more minutes when we came across five dead bunnies, a deer and her fawn, and a dead goose. Now this frightened me the most. Three of the dead bunnies had just their heads missing and the body was intact. The other two were ripped to pieces, similar to the dead squirrel. I almost gagged at the smell of it all. I didn't dare walk towards the goose or the deer. My neighbor, who had a bow on him, walked towards the mother deer to see that she had long claw marks in her torso and her head had been mangled. The fawn, however, 
had its head missing as well. The weirdest part of all of the dead animals was the goose. The goose was fully intact except that its lungs had been ripped open and all of its inner organs were gone. My neighbor's wife immediately called the police and said that there was a bear roaming the property and was attacking innocent animals. I had my suspicions, but I do not believe this was a bear. My neighbor who had the bow was keeping a clear eye on the surrounding woods like he was watching for something. His wife paid no attention to this and continued to talk to the police. Then it hit me, a feeling of dread and chills. NY gets cold in the morning, but this was summer and the humidity was usually around 90%. The entire wood seemed to be silent as well. We were near the creek and couldn't hear the water flowing either. I could see my neighbor had the same feeling wash over him as he raised his bow and loaded an arrow into it. He told his wife to be quiet and me to stand back. I could not see anything, but that feeling was still with me. My neighbor, I know, saw something but refused to tell me what it was since I was 15 and he probably didn't want to scare me. After a few minutes, the feeling of dread was gone, and the sound of something moving through the forest could be heard in the distance. My neighbor lowered his bow and told us we had to leave. We immediately listened, and by the time we got back to the small neighborhood, the town police had arrived. My neighbor explained the story, and the police advised us to stay inside. They later sent a few animal control people to survey the area to try and get the bear away from the neighborhood. They came back empty-handed. I never knew what that was that I was out there. But I had done some research and I believe it might have been a Wendigo from the dead animal killings. My neighbors refused to talk to me about it ever again. And my neighbor who had the bow seemed very cautious after that. If anybody has any insight on this, please say something. This happened a few years ago, and I now live in a different state. Edit, I haven't told anybody this story because I thought I was overthinking, which I do a lot. Overanalyzing is kind of my thing. I do not have contact with this neighbor anymore either. Edit 2, for anyone wondering, my neighbor had moved to this bigger piece of land because he had hoped to bow hunt on his own property so he could build something like a stand up in the trees. As far as I know, NYS deemed that it was still a form of hunting, and later the town police told him he couldn't do that anymore. I live in Louisiana, and something very similar happened to me and my friend after Hurricane Idaho it was about 2 AM. All of the electricity in my town was out, and we were having trouble sleeping because it was super hot in the apartment. We went to take a walk in the dark. There was a bright light that kept flashing in the sky, which was strange because the electricity in the whole town was out, besides the red lights at the railroad crossing. It's super spooky to see only a few red lights in a town that's otherwise completely blacked out. We decided to go check out this light. We end up walking down railroad tracks that run through the forest. We can see the light is coming from the woods about a mile down the tracks on the right side of the woods. I'm terrified but I follow my friend because I'm too afraid to go back home alone. We turn a corner a little bit, walking down the tracks. Right around the corner, we see a weird, super bright white light, about 5 feet high and 1 foot wide. I'm freaking out, begging my friend to turn around, but he gets closer to it. 
He was so entranced. That's when I saw what it was. The light was shaking in a way that I can only describe as glitching in and out of existence. It starts glitching closer to us. It's a humanoid being, made of light. When it comes towards us, it does so by glitching closer and farther. Like taking two steps forward and one back, but getting closer. I started screaming, and I have never felt fear like this before. I am begging my friend to run. Oh, and did I mention my phone was charging in my car, and he's the only one with a flashlight? I know if I run I'll fall because the train tracks are covered in huge rocks. He's staring at it wide-eyed, like he's stuck in a trance, like it's a siren and he wants to frighten it. I'm screaming, where the F for your survival instincts. Run. He finally started running and we got back home. We turned around a few times and it didn't follow us and stayed where it was. That night, I fell asleep, and had a terrible nightmare about it. In the dream, I woke up in the apartment. Everything was the same as when I fell asleep, so I thought I was awake. In the dream, I woke up, and my friend was tapping me on the shoulder, whispering, and begging me to turn around, I was facing the wall, and he was facing the room, and he said, turn around. It's here. And I turned over, and the thing was in our room, bright as hell, doing his little glitch thing, popping lock and dropping it in the middle of the room, and I felt fear like I'd never felt before. I woke up for real and was afraid to turn around, but I made myself. I woke him up and made him come sit in my car with me until the sun came up because I was too afraid to be in the apartment. We named it Railroad Main Lowell. Like how rappers call themselves Maine in place of the word man. We think the light in the woods was either his friends or his ship. I have family in Puerto Rico, so every now and then we take a small vacation over there to visit family. People still talk about the chupacabra over there. Not that stupid wolf-slash-coyote hybrid they found in Texas. The original eyewitness accounts of the creature take on a far more alien description. It kinda makes sense. Numerous UFOs have been sighted numerous times flying over the mountains, and several people have gone missing up there. Not to mention, Puerto Rico has the largest satellite dish, Arecibo, which was made to send communications out into space to hopefully receive messages back from extraterrestrial life. No joke. Look it up. Anyway, that being said, when I was around 10, I remember staying at my uncle's house for the majority of the stay. We were in the countryside, and I woke up in the middle of the night, hearing cows and goats sounding a little anxious. I've always been an animal person. You can quiz me on animals and the sounds they make, even at that age. There was some weird growling noise coming from outside. It wasn't canine or feline. I just couldn't pinpoint it. I was on the second floor of the house, and it's hot as hell in PR. Even at night, so the window was open, luckily with bars on it. All the houses in PR. Pretty much do. I got up out of bed and made it halfway to the window to see what the hell was making that noise, but I got the weirdest feeling come over me. Even when I was little, I didn't really get scared easily but I had this horrible feeling that nearly made me feel sick. 
My mind kept telling me to don't look outside. I feel like if I had, I would have seen something that would have really messed my mind up for a long time. I'll never forget that night. But it doesn't end there. My older brother, who was almost 20 at the time, looked kind of scared. He admitted that he'd snuck out at some point last night to go and explore the fields at night. There are wild horses and cattle out there. Not the smartest idea. Honestly, he could have been gutted by a bull or fallen off a cliff. It's so dark out there at night, I kid you not, you can't see your own hand in front of your face. He'd had a small flashlight and a machete with him to cut through brush. He told me he'd heard cattle out there freaking out, just like I had the night before. He didn't want to get trampled to death, so he moved away from them and ended up slipping down into a ditch. It was full of mud and animal bones. He wasn't lying about the place, because he brought me back to the place the next afternoon when it was safer. The place had a large tree growing out of the mud, and it was covered in termite mounds. A really eerie looking place. He said that the night before, he thought he heard something in there with him, and when he looked at the tree, he said he saw a silhouette of someone hunched over behind the tree, and he called to them, but they moved out of view. He went around the tree to see where they went, but no one was there. He said he'd gotten the most sickening feeling in his gut, like he'd been being watched, and he got the hell out of there. My brother is a pretty brave guy. I've never seen him look so scared before. Before I get into my story, I would like to provide you with some background information that contributes to it. I am a Native American and, in my culture, we have many myths, legends, and folklore. One example of folklore in my culture is the skinwalker. For those that do not know, a skinwalker can take the form of various creatures. However, they will always be slightly different, like a cat with dog fur or a dog with cat's ears and human eyes. I have been told stories passed down for generations. As I began telling my story, this is a first-hand account and everything that is being said is true. Now, with that being said, let's get started. When I was younger, my little brother and I noticed an owl was following us around. We had noticed that this owl was not a regular-sized owl. This owl stood about 5 feet tall, and we had noticed that it would hover around us and watch us. We had considered this to be normal. We never showed any form of fear or anything to that extent. My brother and I began to develop the belief that this owl was a form of protector. Our mom had mentioned that the owl had arrived around the time we were born and began to follow us everywhere we went. When we were younger, we lived on a farm. The owl would accompany us wherever we went in the land. Our mom had also told us about how the same owl would sit on the stop sign at the end of the road if we had gone somewhere. When we would get closer to our house, the owl would follow the car back to our property. When we turned 13 years old, I noticed that the owl had stopped coming around the house or following us. When I was 16, I ended up getting into a huge argument with my dad, and I ended up staying at my mom's house for a good while. One night, I returned to my dad's house. It was my first time being at their house in months. As nighttime began to rise, I noticed the same owl was at the house. Around 3 AM, I heard the owl outside. 
I went to check and saw the owl. I waved to the owl and began walking to my grandpa's house. During this time, the bathroom in my parents' house was being worked on, so we had to go to my grandpa's house to use the restroom. As I started walking towards my grandpa's house, the owl began to follow me towards his house. In between the houses, there is a good amount of land, roughly about the length of a football field. As I continued walking to my grandpa's house with my dog, I noticed that the owl was alarmed and began hooting frantically. I looked up at the owl to see where it was and then I looked down to see if there was anything around the area. As I was doing so, I heard movement in a brush in another field, the same field where the cows were located. I soon noticed a large black mass that was about two feet larger than a Shetland pony. My dog had noticed it and began to growl and run. As I was walking towards the gate, I saw a normal-sized black dog that was not supposed to be there. The dog then began to run towards the stables where my dog ran. After the dog ran away, I continued to walk towards my grandpa's house to use the bathroom. When I was finished, I went back outside and noticed my dog was standing on my grandpa's porch, visibly scared and shaking. I patted her to make sure she was okay and calmed her down. When she was calm enough, we began walking back to my parents' house. As we were doing so, I heard a noise behind my grandpa's truck, which was roughly 20 feet away from the porch. I had pulled out my knife that I would use as a form of self-defense if I ever got attacked by an animal. I walked off the porch and approached the truck. As I approached the truck, I noticed a creature standing about 5 feet away from me. This creature looked somewhat like a dog, but it was not a dog. I then remembered that it was the same figure that I had seen in the field earlier. After coming out of the shock stage, I realized that I am standing 5 feet away from a medium-sized creature holding a knife while it's staring me down growling. One of the first things I noticed was its front paws, but they did not look like normal paws, they were elongated and looked like fingers, and they were more spread out than a dog's paw. I then noticed that its head was slowly beginning to come out of the darkness. I had noticed its eyes were brown, but also whiter around the eyes. It then begins to move closer to me. The legs were shaped similarly to a dog's legs, however, the creature's legs were more muscular like a human. I immediately reacted by throwing the knife at its paw. The creature had barely moved its paw fast enough to not get hit. I then hear the owl screech loudly and the dog looks at me. I'm closing the distance between me and the creature. It then looks up as the owl begins to fly above me and my dog. I had noticed that the creature was distracted by the owl. I had taken this opportunity to grab the knife and I made an attempt to stab the creature. The creature... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Your jumps back to avoid the knife, turns, and runs back towards the field. I could hear the owl flying back towards the field where the creature had run back to. I slowly and cautiously make my way back towards my parents' house. As I approach the gate from the field and into the yard, I hear a yelp and a loud thud followed by a screech. I looked up and saw the owl fly from the cow field towards a tree sitting in the yard of my dad's house. When the owl had landed, I looked at the owl, and it looked at me and began to hoot. As the owl did so, I ended up getting a feeling that the owl was telling me to go inside and that everything was going to be okay. The next morning, I woke up and went out to the field where the creature came from. I found a large patch of the brush that was flattened, but there was no blood or carcass from the creature that had tried to attack me. I had also noticed that the owl was not around the property. I am now 22 years old and have not seen the owl or the creature since that night. My dad is still located on the same property that I grew up on, and I do visit the property frequently. After that night, I do not know what happened to the owl or the creature. But one thing that I do know is that this event did occur. I fully believe that I encountered a skinwalker. I also believe that the owl was there to protect me one last time. I don't know what to think about this story and I have never shared it because I never thought anyone would actually listen to or believe me, so what better place to tell it than here? So, 
My story starts one day a few years ago when I asked a friend of mine if he wanted to go to the local forest with me, it's fairly small, only a few miles long. I've been there 10,000 times growing up, but he had never. It's all woods, not like a campground or anything, and there is rarely ever anybody there, even during the day. I pick him up around 5 or 6 and we go. It was tons of fun just walking around and hanging out. It's maybe like 8 now and it's pitch black in the woods. I suggest we leave, so we start walking down the path back to the car, probably a mile away. I don't remember in the moment if it was a small noise, or if we both just saw movement, but I looked over to the left and I swear I saw something that shook me to my core. It was a humanoid looking figure with no legs, was either weirdly clear, or see-through, moving fast, towards the way we came from, so away from our car. It looked to be gliding over things, making zero noise as we watched it go by. We then look back and see a giant bright light down the path towards where the figure was moving, which is weird because there are no roads or anything for miles. I can't imagine why there would be a light like that. I've been there late at night when a cop or ranger would be in the parking area and it looked nothing like it, it was 10x brighter. I was frozen and terrified. I looked over to him, hoping he saw the same thing, and I whispered, did you just see that? And he looked at me, literally shaking, possibly on the verge of tears, and was like, oh my god what was that, what's that like? At that point, we just ran. I ran as fast as I could the entire way back to the car, and we left. I wanted to make sure we were on the same page on what we saw, so he drew a little sketch, and it looked basically identical to what I saw. It was terrifying and I 100% believe in ghosts now. I just can't imagine what else it could have been because I especially saw no legs, and no noise was made. Someone sprinting through the leaves and whatnot would definitely make noise. It was so quiet in there that you could hear a pin drop. I still, to this day, have no idea what that was and still get a little shaken thinking about it. I tried to get my friend to go back, even during the day, but he absolutely refused. I've had another friend go with me during the day and late at night two or three times now, but we've never seen anything weird. Also, as I'm flaring this post, I'm not sure if it should be shadow people, ghosts, or white figures, so I hope that's not an issue if it's wrong. I'm not too versed in things like this, but the white figure sounds eerie to me. This is the first time I've seen it. In my years of writing about all aspects of the world of the weird, I have often been asked if I myself have ever seen something I could not explain or if I have ever had my own strange experiences or encounters. I've always been rather vague and evasive on this subject, not really giving a clear answer and certainly not divulging anything significant. Until now, that is. You see, my answer to the question of whether I have ever had experiences with the unexplained is, in short, yes. Quite a resounding yes, in fact. I am not sure why, but I have always kept these strange experiences to myself. I suppose it is the same for many others out there, and I guess everyone has their own reasons for this. Maybe they think that no one will believe them. Perhaps they believe that if they tell their strange stories, those around them will think them insane or treat them as a pariah. 
Maybe they just think these are things best left to the confines of their minds. Now, obviously, many people out there do indeed come forward with their accounts, but I suspect that there are even more who have not. I have long been one of these. This may seem strange to you to hear, considering I am a writer about these very mysteries, but I have my reasons. However, I recently had an exchange with someone on the topic of why people keep their paranormal experiences to themselves, and it was quite profound, to say the least, and it made me think. I did a bit of soul searching and I decided that I would come up with my own experiences. These are things that I have never told anyone, not even my closest friends or family. They have remained caged up within me, anomalies that have sat like awkward, jagged rocks on the landscape of my mind for far too long. They are deeply personal, and even now it feels odd to let them out and put them out there, like I should hold on to them and keep them hidden. Even now, as I write this, I am hesitant to let them go, wary of losing them into the wilderness of public knowledge, but I have resolved myself to doing this, for better or worse. It just seems, for some reason, like it is finally time and that this is the right thing to do. I am tired of feeling so alone with it. I have actually had three separate occasions where I have witnessed, well, something beyond what I can explain. The first, most dramatic, and perhaps most utterly inexplicable of my experiences is actually a hard one to write about since it was so traumatic for me, still inspires fear in me, and I am still unable to really wrap my head around it even after all of these years. This happened to me when I had just turned 18 years old, just before I was to head off to college, and I had decided to take a road trip from my hometown in California to Denver, Colorado to visit a friend of mine there. I did not have much money, and my parents thought it was a bit of a whimsical idea, but they let me go through with it anyway. I thought at the time that I could handle myself, and at 6 apostrophe 3 and pretty muscular, I suppose I have a somewhat intimidating enough presence, even then, that I foolishly thought I would not run into too many problems along the way, that no one would mess with me. Anyway, it was just going to be a drive out there, after which I would stay for two days and then come back. Simple. There was no real reason to think it was a particularly bad idea at the time. Along the way, somewhere in the wilds of Nevada, it became obvious that the drive was to be a lot longer than I had expected. I had left my home too late, and I was getting tired and sleepy. If you have ever taken this drive, then you might know that there are vast swaths where there is not a soul in sight for miles around. It might as well be the surface of the moon. There was really not much to see along this route, it was dark and empty, and with the endless, monotonous road ahead and the hypnotizing lane lines flickering by, I caught myself nodding off at the wheel on several occasions. I did not really have the money for a hotel to stay at, I barely had enough money for food and gas, and so I decided to pull over at a highway rest area off the highway and take a nap in my car. I only planned to sleep for a couple of hours and then head off along that dark, desolate highway once more. The area was actually rather remote, with nothing around, and at the time there were no other vehicles there at that rest stop, giving it all a rather bleak and imposing atmosphere that made me wonder if it was a good idea to be there or not, but I ended up parking, putting my chair back, 
and falling asleep even as I turned over the idea of just continuing on my way in my head. I awoke to a tap on my car window. I jumped awake, and it was light enough that I at first thought it was early morning. I was somewhat startled to see a young man standing there peering in at me. He was a skinny young man who looked to be perhaps in his early 20s or late teens, not much older than myself at the time, and he was dressed normally, certainly not a vagrant or appearing particularly threatening in any noticeable way, although I immediately wondered why he was out there in the middle of nowhere and what he wanted. He then simply and calmly said, open the door. At this, I immediately had a distinct sense of palpable menace, some undefinable feeling of threat, and was glad that I had locked the doors of my vehicle. I simply said no. He demanded again, open the door, this time in almost a growl, and I soon noticed that there were two others with him lurking in the background, and that there was also a pickup truck nearby, which I assumed to be theirs. Upon this truck was mounted a spotlight that was turned on and pointed at the ground, which was why the whole area seemed to be surprisingly illuminated. In actuality, it was still the middle of the night. This is where things get bizarre indeed. I took out a knife I had brought with me and just held it there where he could see it, which I guess was pretty stupid in retrospect, but remember, I was just a dumb teenager and I thought this would maybe scare them away. It, in fact, had quite the opposite effect. The young man became absolutely infuriated, and let out what I can only describe as an animalistic howl or wail, quite chillingly inhuman in its intensity, as he violently shoved my car to send the vehicle quaking and I actually felt it lift from the ground a bit. It was breathtakingly horrifying, totally out of nowhere, and was a jarring, frightening display of strength I never would have expected from a person, let alone someone with such a slim frame. It is hard to describe just the amount of alarm I felt at that moment. This is when I noticed that the two other people with him in the background had something quite off about them. I could see that their eyes were either glowing or reflecting light like those of a cat. I don't know which, which either way you might recognize as something that human eyes do not do. It also seemed that they were, I don't know how to describe it, blurry? Fuzzy? Do you know how when you are watching a TV program with bad reception and the people on the screen look jumpy and distorted? Can you imagine that? It was like that. They seemed distorted, broken and vague, as if infused with some sort of static. It was almost as if they were tenuous, having trouble with staying in focus, staying in reality, having difficulty existing, or that they were quivering or moving to and fro at great speed. It was truly strange, and despite the fact that I consider myself a decent writer, I find it difficult to fully describe in words. The next thing I knew, one of them, a girl around the same age as the man, who was now panting and scowling like a rabid dog, his visage twisted and contorted beyond the thin pane of glass separating us, was suddenly just there beside him. One moment she was standing in the background some distance away, and then she was just right there in the blink of an eye. It was abrupt and disorienting, to say the least. Then she also said, open the door now. This is when I snapped out of my shock and started my car. I didn't honestly think it would start, thinking that surely they must have done something to it to cripple it, and that I would be stuck there in its metal prison until they smashed their way in or someone came along to help, 
which was a slim possibility considering the sheer emptiness of the road and the fact that the chance that few vehicles passing by in the night would even know something was wrong was a remote possibility at best. To my genuine surprise, the car did start, and I tore out of there as fast as I could. As I did so, the spotlight on the pickup truck immediately sprung to life and swung up to home and on me, blinding in its brightness and following my car with perfect precision. I stepped on the gas, and as I did so, I was surprised to see that one of them, probably the other or another hiding in the shadows who I hadn't seen, was running alongside my car. I think it is important to mention that at this point, I was almost to the actual highway and steadily picking up speed perhaps going 40 miles an hour at that moment, yet there this person was, another young man, easily pacing me as the spotlight pierced forward to track me. As he ran, barely even looking tired, he reached out to knock on my window, and it was all so totally strange and frightening that I remember I let out a scream, something that I usually do not do and can probably count on one hand how many times I've done it. As I reached the highway and picked up speed, he tried to keep up with me, banging on my window the whole time with increasing force, and probably made it up to around 50 miles per hour before he finally fell behind and faded into the distance. It was all absolutely mind-boggling. I just drove off as fast as I could, my foot heavy on the pedal, and although that persistent spotlight stayed on me until I was out of sight, the truck oddly did not give chase. I hauled ass until I reached an off-ramp into a populated place, and I must have sat there at a restaurant for about three hours, shaking and trembling at the whim of the adrenaline that was coursing through me. I could not keep my hands still. I must have looked a mess, and I remember the waitress asking if I was alright on numerous occasions, but I lied and said that I was just frightened because I had almost crashed out on the road. I don't know why I didn't tell anyone or call the police. It's probably because I didn't think they'd believe me, hell, I didn't believe it myself, and also because I was eager to get to my destination and didn't want to deal with the hassle, especially since I was in one piece despite my rattled state. I never did tell my friend in Colorado about it, and indeed, I have never told anyone at all about it until now. I was terrified to tell anyone about what really happened. This may all sound very dramatic, but I assure you it did happen. I am not exaggerating, and to this day it is rather traumatic to think about. I truly feel that I was not meant to make it out of there alive, and that I should have died, or even worse, at that rest area. My life was surely in some form of danger. I often find myself wondering how many other travelers along that desolate stretch of highway were confronted by those odd strangers and what would have happened to me if I had opened my door as they had demanded. To this day, it gives me duress just to bring up these memories. Adding to this is that I have never been able to figure out just what exactly happened there on that highway or just who or what it is that I encountered. It is so bizarre and inexplicable that it doesn't even clearly fit into any strange phenomenon I know of. Who were those people? Were they even people at all? If not, what were they? Were they wraiths of some sort? Black-eyed kids? Shadow people? Vampires, for Pete's sake? What? I mean, what in the world was going on there? Who were they? I have no answers for it, and the whole incident leaves me baffled and not a little frightened to this day.
I like to think of myself as a reasonably intelligent and rational person. I was not drinking at the time, and I was not doing drugs. I would really like there to be a pat, mundane explanation for it all, but I can find none. I can't even really find any known phenomenon out there in Forteana and the world of the weird that really fits in with what I saw. It is all completely and utterly bizarre and confounding to me. My second experience happened years later. This was when I was in university, and I guess it was the summer of 1994. I went camping in the San Bernardino Mountains, in California, with some friends to a site we had been to many times before. One of the things I like to do, and still do, was stargazing. Indeed, I am quite interested in astronomy, and my friends and I would lie down on a ridge and just take in the night sky, wondering what lies out there in the far reaches of our universe. The view there was amazing, stars like I never saw anywhere else, like diamond dust spread out across black velvet, and I always felt a profound sense of awe and wonder there. We were out at our usual ridge on this particular evening, under this vast sea of stars, when I noticed a tiny speck of light slowly traversing the night sky. I immediately recognized it as a satellite, or so I thought. If any of you are stargazers, you may be aware that the man-made satellites around our planet can often be seen at night in very clear conditions, and they almost look like faint stars traveling across the sky, sometimes even flickering as they spin. I pointed it out to my two friends, and they watched it too. As we tracked its progress across the sky, the pinpoint of light became gradually and dramatically brighter, and began to pulsate with different colors, which is unusual for a satellite. Nevertheless, we still thought that was what it was, that is, until something very strange suddenly happened. The brightening satellite then suddenly streaked across the sky like a meteor, but rather than dropping to Earth, it went in a large, rapid zigzag pattern, showing extreme maneuverability, before whizzing away into the distance at an astronomical speed. This was no satellite and no meteor. My friend immediately exclaimed something like, holy s. Did you see that? We had all seen it, and none of us could explain it. We excitedly talked about it for the rest of the evening, but I have not mentioned it to anyone since. Now, if I had been alone, I would have probably just written it all off as my eyes playing tricks on me, as wrong as that may feel, but the thing is that this object and its sheer speed and bizarre, erratic behavior were witnessed by all three of us, none of whom can explain it. It was technically a UFO, but I can't say whether it was aliens, an experimental aircraft, or some other aerial phenomenon. I simply don't know. All I know is that it was not a satellite and not a meteor. It was really, really strange. My last brush with the unexplained happened to me after I came to Japan, where I have lived for the past 21 years. As many of you may know, I often write about mysterious vanishings, but this is actually not always something I have had an interest in. I think what first made me intrigued with this phenomenon is that I think that I may have witnessed someone vanish into thin air, at least I think so. It's hard to say. Let me explain. This happened around nine years ago in the early summer. I was out in a wilderness area not far from Tokyo, at a place which draws quite a few people to come out for a variety of outdoor activities, so this is not a remote area in the middle of nowhere, 
and it is actually quite crowded in the spring and summer months. Although there is camping there, for me this was just a day trip, picnicking and hiking. I was with some other people having a picnic in a large open meadow area with picnic tables and barbecue facilities, where many families were out enjoying the sunny, warm day. There were people everywhere, in fact, and we were even commenting on how crowded it was. I remember thinking that this was kind of dangerous, given how many people were milling about nearby and how many kids were running around. We were sitting quite near this drop-off, practically right next to it, and I couldn't even really enjoy my lunch because sometimes a kid would run past, and I was worried that eventually someone was going to go over. I was even telling my friends that we should mention it to the officials who ran the area. It was nerve-wracking. After a while, we were going to actually pack up and be on our way, and I was sort of walking along that ridge, checking it out and thinking how they needed a railing or something there. At this point, I was walking back to our spot to help pack up and a young girl of around 8 years of age went running by, laughing and heading right for that creek area. I wasn't totally alarmed at this point, as there were kids everywhere, but I kind of kept an eye on her and was wondering what her parents thought of this. As she was running full speed in that direction, I sort of went over in that direction as well, and as she got closer to the danger zone, I yelled out in Japanese, Kiwo Tsukita Hoga Tu Yo. Which means you better be careful. At around that moment, I went around a boulder and the girl ran by it on the other side, and as this was practically right on the cusp of the drop-off, I was now quite concerned. Yet, when I rounded the boulder, she was gone. Considering her path, speed, and position, as well as the fact that she was out of sight for not even a second, she should have been right there on the other side, but she was nowhere to be seen. She had simply vanished. I looked down and there was nothing. There was no sign of her, and even if she had fallen, the creek was not fast flowing enough for her to have been totally swept away in such a short span of time. Looking back towards the meadow also showed me that she was nowhere, even though if she had somehow changed course and returned, she had only been out of sight for a split second and I should have seen her doing so. I was baffled, and I walked about looking around, but that girl was nowhere to be found. I wondered who her parents were or where they were, but I didn't know. I was pretty puzzled by it all, but in the end, I suppose I just wrote it off as having some explanation not really believing it myself. I just sort of assumed that the girl had somehow escaped my attention and gone off back to her family in that fraction of a second that it took me to round that boulder, even though part of me knew that it was impossible. We stayed in that area for a little while longer, and I did not see anyone in a panic or looking for someone, and then we left and I sort of put it out of my mind. That evening, my mind turned back to that mysterious girl I had seen, and I became more and more convinced that what I had witnessed was very strange indeed. I became sort of obsessed with it, and I actually checked the news every day looking for anything about a missing girl in that area, thinking that if something came up I would notify the authorities, but nothing did. To this day, I have no idea what I saw. All I know is that there is no way that that girl could have run behind that boulder and escaped my attention. She was out of sight for a fraction of a second and then absolutely nothing. Just there one moment and gone the next. 
I often wonder what I actually saw and if there is some family out there wondering whatever happened to their daughter. I don't know. Was this someone vanishing? Was it a ghost? Was it just my mind playing tricks on me? I have no idea, but I believe it is at around that point that I developed a keen interest in mysterious disappearances. I do not take coming forward with these experiences lightly. These are things I have kept to myself and buried for years, and which cause me bafflement, stress, and indeed fear even now. I do not make any claim that these must be one thing or the other, only that they are remarkably odd things that have happened to me that evade any conventional explanation I can come up with. Many of you may perhaps think that I am crazy or delusional, but that is not the case at all. Maybe most will not believe me, and to that I have to say that I suppose I don't care. Not anymore. Perhaps it is a selfish reason that I have come forward with these unusual experiences, that I am seeking some catharsis. Perhaps I think by telling these things it will encourage others to do so as well, as I am sure there are many more like me who bury their own bumps with the unexplained for a variety of reasons. I am not sure. A contact I spoke with had this to say on people who have had brushes with the unknown that they keep from others, and I felt compelled to share it here. He said, one of the things I am trying to get at here are these experiences often have such a personal quality one is hesitant to part with them. Almost as if they had been designed just for us. Now just thinking about this, how many people don't want to share their experience, well at least not with just anybody and often that not just anybody becomes hardly anybody or nobody, how it becomes a private thing, even secret and the reasons this happens are beyond simple things like derision I think we touch on something kind of profound. I have had a few brushes with the unknown, I have learned to mostly keep them to myself, on the other hand I have finally kept them to myself for reasons that go quite beyond the obvious. I am not sure how clear it really is to me. Brushes with the unknown, like brushes with eternity, change your life. Not in the way people often think, but you have a knowledge of something everyone doesn't seem to have and you know it is a simple thing that knowing things are not what they seem. Part of this kind of knowledge you can't share, you can't even be jealous of having or not having, it simply is and letting anyone know seems to some extent a pointless gesture. Doesn't it? But then there are facets that are more easily communicated and seem to make sense to say something about, to someone that might listen, harder to find than you think at first. I am not sure just why I kept mine secret or why I have chosen to relate these here after so long keeping them from everyone I know, or why I have chosen to do it in this way, just that it just felt for some reason like the right time to do so. This is all deeply personal for me, but they needed to be let out from the shadows of my mind, and I thought what better place than where I regularly write? Was it a good idea? Time will tell. In the end, I suppose that people like me who have seen things they cannot explain are in a difficult position. They know there is something odd about the world, something that lies past the periphery of our understanding, but they may be unsure of what that is and they live in a world where most people would like to think we have it all figured out or that everything can be explained simply. This climate has discouraged people to come forward, I think, and so they wrestle with these mysteries on their own knowing that something is not as it seems, but unable to figure out what and unable to discuss it with anyone. 
They are lucky in the sense that their eyes have been opened to something more in the world we live in, yet at times doomed to remain in the limbo of never getting any further along the path to answers and dealing with this on their own. I have taken a step here, perhaps a dangerous or foolish one, to try and release myself from this limbo. If this encourages others to do the same, then all the better.